Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hi, welcome to the Med Family Podcast. My name is Eric Acker. I'm the host. Karen's taking the night off today. Um, and I'm just really excited to present a new special episode with two guests, Joseph Cole, Patrick Bevins. We're going to talk a lot about medical school rotations and um, just get a lot of insight from them. I really like this episode. I'm really excited to share this with you. I didn't have to talk a whole lot, so that just makes this that much better, in my opinion. So I hope you enjoy. Here you go. All right, I'm welcoming two guests today, Patrick Bevins. Yeah. Bevins. Okay, I always want to put the L in there. Blevins. Blevins? Yeah. No, it's Evans with a B. Bevins. Okay, fair enough. And then I have Joseph Call. Uh, they are both uh, Trinity students as well as I am. Patrick is the same term that I came up through from term one all the way forward. And then Joseph has been, he was a few terms ahead of me. He's in still your third year or f- close to the fourth year? Getting close Just to finishing up my third year. All right. So I want you guys to get a little bit of background on yourself. So I'll start with Patrick. You went to, you grew up in, I heard, the nice part of Phoenix. <laughs> no, I grew up, I'm from Gilbert, Arizona, so that's the east side of Phoenix, but my wife is from the nice side, which is Scottsdale, which is the more northeast side, and so back in Arizona, we called Snobsdale is kind of the nickname for that area, and so I, my family's from Canada, and they moved down to Arizona. They were able to immigrate to the U.S. because my mom was a nurse. And were you born in Canada? No, I was born stateside. I'm an anchor baby. Oh, What's anchor, anchor baby? Yeah, so they couldn't deport my parents. So I like... <laughs> I've never heard that before. But okay. Yeah, no. I, so I grew... I went to like school and stuff in Arizona. I went to undergrad in Northern Arizona University. And um, so I met my wife. Tra- well, I was traveling around with the, Northern, with the Model United Nations Club. I met my wife in Montreal. And it's just kind of weird how everything works. It's kind of a funny story with not seeing each other. Meeting, we both went to the same undergrad, but we didn't talk to each other or interact with each other at all until we were both at a conference in Montreal. So then after undergrad, kind of took a year to make some money and worked, did a whole bunch of random jobs. I worked as a, worked as a pharmacy tech for a long time, for a while. I worked as a chess coach for a bit. I also was a veterinarian assistant. Did you say chess coach? Yeah, I taught chess in elementary schools for a bit. Of, okay. okay. <laughs> I taught the chess classes, sent my kids to, they won tournaments and stuff. It was kind of cool. It was I sold, I also worked for one of my cousins and sold swamp cooler parts. So like kind of did a whole bunch of random crap and then ended up in Trinity and, um, yeah, been on the same path as Eric since. All right. And, and Joseph, you've just told me that I can't mess this up. So Idaho, you're from Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're trying me. to call it Northern Utah. It's definitely not. If anything, uh, Utah is Southern Idaho. No, but, uh, yeah, I'm from Idaho. Been to kind of a whole handful of universities. I started out at Idaho State University, then did some at BYU-Idaho. I did a year study abroad in Israel at the Hebrew University there. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Did you know Hebrew? I, I had to learn. I had to take a few semesters of it. I'm not going to put you on the spot and make you yeah. speak in Hebrew. I was just, that's an interest. I never know that about you. Yeah. I, I, I can't speak much now anymore, but... Yeah, so yeah, I was just studying Near Eastern Studies. I wasn't quite sure my path at that point. Finally ended up at BYU, uh, where I got my degree in human development. Is that BYU-Utah? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I met my wife there. Currently have three kids, three girls with another on the way. That's awesome. And so you're all in rotation, so I'll, I'll kind of bounce this around and we can just kind of play with it. Which rotations did you guys start with when you first started your clinic clerkships? Well, I'm just two rotations in, just like you are. So my first one was OBGYN, and right now I'm currently in pediatrics. Yeah, e- easily OBGYN. When I heard you got in, like that was your first one. I was like, that would be by far the, the least, the one I would least want to have first. I mean, that's... <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of what I thought too, but I mean, preceptor goes a long way and then going in with an open mind and just trying to be excited about what you can, like, made a huge difference. I, 
I never would have guessed that I would have loved it as much as I did. What did you What did you end up liking about it? Like, what's your like is your top thing? Well, I really liked the clinic surgery balance towards it because I really like being in the OR and doing surgery. I I had chances to shadow before I came to medical school. I shadowed a lot of orthopedic surgeries. So that okay. was what I was most comfortable with, but. When you shadow in a surgery, they just kind of sit you in a corner and say, like, don't touch anything. Just try to stay out of the way. Like, don't touch any purple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hang out behind the trash can. And in fact, maybe like <laughs> get a little farther back behind the trash can. So you just kind of feel like you're in the way. But after doing it as part of my rotation, actually, you'd be like hands on. I mean, the first day I was allowed to even push a button on a machine. I thought it was the coolest thing. <laughs> So like I got to push a button and then I thought was it that the was coffee cool. machine or no uh, it was part of a hysterectomy they were it, it inflated the uterus up with air and there was the machine that did that so we so I got to push the button to turn it on and that was my all I did my first day in there that's the only thing but I was just pumped to actually have been able to do something but later on I got to do C sections and help with like really go in there and get my hands bloody it was really cool <laughs> so then it's like you pushed the button on your first day. Like, oh. I did this procedure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is me. An integral part my of this work. Team. <laughs> this patient needs to thank me. <laughs> exactly. I'm making, finding the nurse. Like, nurse, did you put my name on the timeout? Because I assisted. I was a part of this surgery. My name should be on the record. I know. It was... No, but it's, like, vastly different from where I started and where I ended and what I was allowed to do. But it was, like, it was super cool, like, going from being excited about pushing a button into being, like, the one who closed... Being the surgical assistant for the... For the doctor doing the sutures closing up for like c-sections i would like remove the placenta and i mean it was really cool like i liked it a lot and then what was cool about with OBGYN is most surgery schedules you're getting up super early in the morning and all your sur- your surgery schedule starts early in the morning but the way it was for me was our monday surgeries would be early in the morning but throughout the week because of just the nature of OBGYN, if a baby decides it's going to come out it's going to come out or you have a lot more, I guess, surgical, well, you have surgical emergencies with other things, but C-sections are a pretty emergent thing that you got to take care of. So, I mean, we did a lot during lunch. It was really cool. I'd show up at like a decent time in the morning, get, and then see some patients in the clinic. Lunchtime would roll around. I'd get to go down to the hospital real quick, do a quick procedure, come back, see patients, go home, call it a day. It was fantastic. That's awesome. Um, what did you start with, Joe? My first rotation was internal medicine. Oh. <laughs> so you're saying like, oh, I don't want to start with, o- with OBGYN. I think really it's like any first one you have, like, oh, I don't want to start with that one. But internal medicine, it's very broad. It's 12 and, weeks, right? Yeah. 12 Gosh. weeks, a lot of material, but it uh, it really forced me to, to get my butt in gear. <laughs> now, if I understand, so when, if I understand internal medicine, it's broken up with Three weeks I human, three weeks with a hospitalist, three weeks with some subspecialty, and then you might do another three weeks with either a hospitalist or outpatient clinic, or they kind of. I'm not sure how that. Yeah, I, that's how it worked with me. Okay. I'm not sure if it, if that's. Did, did you have Dr. Everyone. Lombardi? I'm sorry. Did you have Dr. Lombardi or Dr. Lomboy? Lomboy. Yes, you. I did. Was it the last three weeks? That was my <laughs> first three weeks, actually. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah, and he. Uh, which I, in a lot of respects, I'm grateful for. He really knows how to push his, his students. He wants to teach. But day one, he sent me down. He's like, let me tell you how this is going to work. He's like, I'm going to treat you a little bit more like a resident than a medical student. <laughs> and so I had my patients. I had to go around on in the morning. I had to write in my notes, you know, the soap notes for. And, and then in the clinic, you know, I would go and see patients before he did and come up with a an assessment and plan for them and we would discuss it i loved it it was great work but the first few days i think i had some indigestion just because of the stress mm. <laughs> it was stressful i've only um i only i only i guess make that underline that portion because i all the feedback i've ever heard of dr Lomboy is that he is very tough on his students uh-huh. and yeah. a lot of them love him like they like his how he's tough but <laughs> just imagine for the first first three weeks you just finish step you're feeling pretty good and then you jump into that and i feel like you were feeling pretty good after finishing step i, I felt just, like i was at least <laughs> relieved i was that chapter of my life was yeah. done yeah. <laughs> i can't go back i are mean, not going to send me back to anatomy with dr ds i'm, I'm done <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know I, I got the impression that dr lomboy was just very tough and he's very honest as well with yeah assessments yeah and, 
Well, as far as preceptors go, like uh, there's some that are a lot easier that they kind of like, okay, you can be as involved as you want, but most of the time you're just kind of sitting there watching, you know, you, you can go in and see patients procedures that they do, but there are other fewer preceptors in my experience that really give you the reins and allow you to get hands on, make a lot of mistakes, but they're there for you to teach you. And like Dr. Lomboy said, it's the ones that kind of go the extra step to treat you more like a resident. Okay. And a lot of learning takes place during that. So you, you're obviously a little bit further along than me and Patrick. So w- what's your favorite rotation so far? Ooh, boy, I don't know. A lot of them I've... The thing is, like, every, every single rotation is a little bit different. And I like different aspects of it. I can honestly say I have loved every single one of my rotations. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite. Like, uh, for future, like, my goals at this point is I, I want to be, I want to go into family practice. Okay. I really like the clinical aspect of medicine. I do like surgery a lot. And so I'm thinking on doing a, uh, a program with a uh, surgical OBGYN track. Oh, so I'd like be certified tool. to do delivery C-sections and whatnot. Uh, so that's my current plan. But every rotation, there's elements of it that I just loved with a small caveat. I thought I would like psych more than what I did because oh, <laughs> I like I like studying all of those uh, those issues that people have and and all of the nuances and all that. But then actually working with the patients, I I don't know if it's really my cup of tea. D- did you do outpatient or inpatient psych, or did you do a little both. bit of both? Okay. Both. If you don't mind sharing, who was your preceptor for that? Doctor Dan. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. He, he was fabulous. Because uh, I have uh, I have psych right now, but I have Doctor Bashin. Okay, I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, she she's a different psychiatrist, but she's all just all outpatient, no inpatient. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, I was just curious, I guess, with the because ours is like all these patients that come in. Like, what I what I like about that is like one patient to the next is very different. Like, right. Yeah. Like you're never gonna have like uh, two pap smears in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a lot of pap smears. <laughs> Well, what was nice is the way he did it was it was we'd have a gyne day and then an OB day and then a gyne day and an OB day. So then it was all my passengers were on just I didn't have to do them all throughout the week. It was help, at least spaced help out. Help me out here. What, what's the difference uh, between a gyne and uh, an so OB? Gyne will just be general women's health. So like we would do breast exams and just vaginal exams and um, more tailored to specific women's needs because just women have their own set of anatomy that require a little more attention like just it requires a little more a little more specialty to better understand i mean they have everything you need to make a human males we just have enough to do a small contribution and call and walk away and call it good so just tiptoeing to the edge of that yeah exactly (laughs) so uh So with the OB days, though, we'd focus with pregnant patients. So then it'd be either pregnants that are, or patients that are starting to get pregnant, like on that track of working towards that or that are already pregnant. So OB days were a lot of just wellness checkups. I mean, half the time I just grab the Doppler machine, find the babe fetal heart rate and just ask mom if everything's going good. And if she didn't have any concerns, she'd be like, all right, cool. See you in two weeks. And just making sure everything looked fine. Well, then the guy in days are a little more specific. And that's seeing women from basically from puberty on to as old and puberty onward. Okay. Were you sent in without your doctor? Oh, no, not with none of the guide stuff. So without, we'd have the nurse there and then doctor, I was with Dr. Brooks. And so Dr. Brooks would be there for all of that because being a male in an OB in a guide setting, you need to make sure you have your chaperones and everything. So we had a female nurse with us. And then also it's a pretty delicate area. So we, Dr. Brooks was there to, he was there to. So like you didn't it. you didn't do like a his like do the history first and then present I, or was it, it more was of a pretty, just like you were just paired up with him side by side. It was more just followed him into the room because it's you don't do an in depth history as much as you would do with like a primary care or like family medicine or even like pediatrics. It's more like he emphasized a lot of when you were doing your review of systems even just to more of a natural not a naturalistic approach but just like a natural like conversation he mostly just talked to him and then he'd observe him see how they're breathing see like watch their demeanor and he'd interact with them and he'd get half his review systems just from there and then right uh, and he, he didn't formalize it that much and it definitely helped it's a stressful situation with the parents or the patients and it kind of helped relax them a lot so it was more of his style and that's how it worked I mean it's I'm um, yeah, it just comes down to the doctor, though. I mean, 
my pediatrics rotation right now, my preceptor is a very, he's a very more, he's a very formal guy. Like got to wear a tie. I went from wearing scrubs every day to have to make sure I wear a shirt and tie every day. Yeah, I think I saw you on your first day and you had like a vest on. Yeah, well, that was because my shirt wasn't <laughs> your, ironed Your three-piece suit. Yeah. Well, no, that was I just got back from Canada and I didn't have time to iron anything because I got back on Sunday night, late Sunday night and had early morning. So that was just going with what I had. So throw on a vest. Can't tell if there's wrinkles. Well, and then they can't grab your tie and choke you to death, so... Yeah, I kind of kept the tie back. I'm <laughs> starting to wear a bow tie instead, the less to grab with. Have you really? Yeah, I like bow ties, though. They're kind of fun. I got married in a bow tie. There's a, there's a lot of people who have a, a, a stiff aversion to bow ties, so... That's because they don't know how to tie them. <laughs> in medicine, actually, uh, it was like one of my first few days with my preceptor. He was saying, it was like, if you have a bow tie, get a bow tie instead of wearing a tie. It's like, because there's, there's studies, actually, that... The tie itself is, I guess, a means of transferring yeah. viruses <laughs> and bacteria. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it swinging around, hitting people. Yeah. So, it's, so you, know, you got pneumonia from your patient, from your doctor's tie. Yeah. Yeah. I even had one guy tell me like the the tie weighed enough that it adjusted how you held your neck as well. It was. I think that's just somebody who doesn't like wearing ties, which I don't blame him. I'll come up with dumb excuses too, but. <laughs> Gives me kyphosis. I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so besides catching pink eye on your peds rotation on the first week, Patrick, how, how, how's it going? <laughs> no, it's good. He's definitely peds is like the polar opposite of just because the, my preceptor for peds is like the polar opposite for my OBGYN pre- preceptor. I mean, and I like him. He's still a really good guy. It's like not polar opposite in a bad way. He's just, he's very much more about the, the more like 1970s image of what a doctor should be very more formal, like a lot more formal. Like I said, the whole wearing a tie thing. And he's kind of a lot more straight laced. Okay. So I definitely can't like casually, the other guy I could casually joke around with and I had a lot more of a casual like friendship relationship. And this is definitely more of like a, Student like a men, yeah, like a mentor student, and he like day one. I mean, he had us follow us around, but it got to the point where he's like, we were doing the histories, and then like all from the, this point on, he just sends us into the room. We go in there, we do the work, and we come out, and we give him our diagnosis and our treatment plan, and he gives us the thumbs up or thumbs down, and we go from there. So like next week, for all like intensive purpose, I'm the pediatrician. So uh, six month. Uh, well, well, child checkup. What's the uh, the vaccine schedule? I got it written down on my kidding. chart. Yeah, not, changes. I'm not. I'm not going to put you down on that because uh, there's <laughs> been many, many, many them. weeks where I've been trying to explain a medical thing and I, I listen to it later. I'm like, I got that wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to no. do that to you. No, I just know you get five of them, and I have them written down on the chart that I walk in there with the patient, so I don't have to memorize it, and it's all. That's the one thing that hammer, he hammered it with peds is you take the state guidelines, so the guidelines of Georgia, and you take the uh, Academy of Pediatrics guidelines, and you marry them together, and that's what you do. So it's there's not any real wiggle room. If how, did, you, how does that? Then you got a little time for before uh, your board exam or your uh, shelf exam that you need to have. It well, I did my so. yeah. Well, they don't care on that shelf exam on the actual the timing that's yeah not, you got it on timing oh well online med ed has led me wrong because he said that i didn't have to worry about the timing on it yeah you should you should have a pretty I mean, good based on timing. some yeah like what you yeah. said and what i think brandon has said like timing timing seems to matter oh well just on the national guidelines not yeah. the georgia oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah how does that compare to your peds rotation my peds rotation he, he was uh i guess i don't know in between yeah it's like we were able to build a pretty good relationship with uh, together, but he was more of, I don't know, it's hard to explain. He's very professional with me, but then like with the patients, he was very, I don't know, he, he's very good at making kids feel comfortable and I don't know. Any, any face paint? No, <laughs> face paint, no. <laughs> but yeah, I know he was good. He, my, my preceptor was really good at asking me questions that were actually going to be on my shelf exam. He's like, he would ask oh. me relevant questions that I were, I was confident. I was like, Okay, I'm not fully answering his question right now, but I know if I go home and study it, it's going to contribute to my shelf exam well, that's awesome. score. So, I, I felt like at least with failing medicine and P, uh, it was psych so far is like it's interesting. You're learning a lot, but how does it? D- did I take most of that stuff to go up to the shelf? Not really. Yeah. Like, because a lot of at least failing medicine shelf was uh, guidelines, and like we didn't really mm-hmm. we weren't like 
not doing the guidelines, but it wasn't a big deal at that time. You know, none of our patients were in that windows of time that needed to have pneumonia shots or whatever. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking of that though. With as for prep for shelf, I do think my in person with OBGYN was like invaluable. For I did very well on my OBGYN shelf exam, and a lot of it was because there was a lot of questions that were about timing with the OB aspect of it. There was a lot of timing on fetal development and kind of the stuff that you need to look for during like the time periods of there. And mm-hmm. as far as knowing, um, if they're premature, like the, the windows of prematurity, like the treatment, all of that, like those were all things that I saw and got to like interact with. So oh, it did awesome. actually help a lot. And then Dr. Brooks was just a really good, he was a really good teacher. He liked, he definitely liked the surgery aspect of it. A lot of the practice, a lot more than the clinic because there were like two different modes of him. Is you had the more like laid back, chill kind of like, oh, by the way, here's something that I saw on my boards a little while ago. And like, here's a cool way to remember it when we're like between patients. But then when we're in the OR, it was like a lot of pimping and a lot of like, okay, why do we do this? This is why it's done. What's the next thing? What <laughs> what muscle layer am I cutting through right now? You have to know everything that like, basically you weren't allowed to cut anything if you didn't know what it was. That's a good rule of thumb. I mean, <laughs> I, I agree with that. It was a good thing I did good on anatomy. Otherwise, it would have been deer in the headlights. <laughs> so you, you've always had at least one other person on your rotations, right? Because in your OB, you had um, Ryan. Yeah, I had you. Ryan and Darnell with me. And oh, yeah, Darnell, that's right. In pediatrics, I have two other guys with me. I have Jonathan and OB with me. Have, have you ever had just one-on-one? Uh, Most of my rotations are one-on-one. Uh, I've only had, so psych was, I was with one other student, Seth, actually, who was oh, okay. previously on one of your other podcasts. And and then my current rotation, I'm with one other student. But all of my other rotations, I've been one of them. How do you, how do you like them comparatively? Like, do you think there's an Ooh. advantage to one-on-one? Yes, I do. Especially with a preceptor that really cares, wants to teach. Mm-hmm. It is harder you don't have that you know your peer to back you up or to fall back on if you don't like if you get a question wrong right. or if you don't know the question you can just like don't say anything and hope that they pick it up <laughs> but i prefer one-on-one because it really pushes you and it helps you i guess as a physician like a few future medical professionals we are going to be in situations where we don't know the answer and so being in this situation where you're with, I'm with my preceptor, they ask me a question I don't know, it's teaching me how to react in a positive way, a professional way that, that I can build on. And I think as a medical professional, that, that's good, a good skill to know that you know where to go, f- go from there oh, if you course. don't know a question. That and just being one-on-one, when I, with, I had to split all my surgeries with two other guys. So mm-hmm. I got a third of the surgery experience. Like, yeah. So it's, I mean, it, I got a lot of surgery experience because luckily he just was very busy surgery wise. But I mean, that's a third of the time. If it was just me, I would have had two times more. And it was kind of a gradual process of letting us do things too. Because like I said, first day I pushed a button. Last day I was like able to do most things, but it definitely like definitely had an impact on that. I wouldn't say negative, but it definitely, it definitely limited my amount of chances to have that kind of experience. Would you say that also like one-on-one you get more personal connection with your preceptor that you could possibly get like maybe a better letter of recommendation or? I don't, do think, that, I don't that think so. Really I don't nothing. think so. Okay. I, I think with my input or my, uh, sorry, my, the ones I only had one-on-one versus another student with me, I was able to connect and, and get to know the preceptor equally. Nice. I, don't, I don't think there was much of a difference there. I, I've been in a bit of a crowd lately, but... <laughs> yeah, I think if you get... I mean, I was only with one other student both oh, okay. times, so if you get more than that, I think it could hinder it, but... I mean, I had a really good... Like, in my last, my last rotation, I had a really good relationship with them, like... And everyone in my rotation did. I don't think we any, any of us really lacked, but that was more also the personality of our preceptor. Because, I mean, he just kind of had a personality that worked well with my own and so i mean i'm supposed to go golfing with him in <laughs> two weeks and i need to go buy some golf clubs otherwise and then go practice so i don't embarrass myself it's been a while <laughs> but like he had a i had a good relationship with him like i left him some presents or whatever and i talked to some people who have him now and he still has them on his desk so he didn't throw them away so that's good <laughs> what was your i guess best moments in your rotations like what was like if you look back and like the highlight of your rotation well, I've told you mine already. Like when I was so golf, 
Yeah, golfing. <laughs> golfing on the weekend. No, so like I said, as you can tell, like my favorite thing about OBGYN was just the fact of being in the R ER and surgery. So one of my preceptor's partners, he had a he gave me some advice before I walked in and he said, when you go into your normal surgery rotation, if they ever ask you to do anything, even if you're not comfortable with the answer is yes, because the moment you say no, they're gonna stick you in a corner and they're gonna forget about you. So I was doing a C-section with him and he asked me, he's he's like and there's like this was like a 42 week, so there was like meconium everywhere, and like there was, it was just fancy go- word for poop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was gross. There were fluids everywhere, and like I was, this was like my, this was my first time in the OR, like doing a C-section, like actually assisting with it. So I'm like deer in the headlights, and he just looks at me and goes, "All right." Grab the placenta. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, I kind of grabbed the umbilical cord and I'm trying to like find it, but I don't want to grab. So I'm about like, you're going to just go there and rip something out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm like elbow deep in this woman. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm grabbing right now. And I'm not going to just tear out something that I don't know. So then I like, I come out for a second. I'm like, I just want to be sure, Dr. Durkee, that I'm removing the right thing. And then he goes, he's like, there's only one in thing in there left to grab and he grabs my hand and shoves it right down in there and oh goes, my God. now sweep. So I just like swept my hand around and popped out the, popped wow, it out. Great. Through it. Great. It, was just, it was really funny. And then the best part about that whole thing is Dr. Durkee left and then it was me and Dr. Brooks and I was closing up and I'm shaking. Like, I'm glad the patient could see me because he's like, all right, close up. Do like, I'm doing the fat layer. And he's just like, I'm, he like gives me the tools and everything, and I he'd say that I've been practicing in the office and stuff, so that definitely contributed to this. But oh, I'm like awesome. shaking, I'm nervous. I'm glad the patient can't see me. I look like I have Parkinson's for a second. <laughs> Take a breath and I go for it. <laughs> Do like the one handed nod and like anyway, I rock like I rocked it because it looked real good when I finished. And he looked at it and he go he just said strong work and that's it. And he just. <laughs> And then he starts doing the super, the most superficial layer of the skin, and he just looks at me and goes, "Do you know what? I probably don't even have to do this. You did really good on that last one, and that was the best compliment I've ever got in my life." And I'm That's still awesome. riding that high. <laughs> How about you, Joe? Oh boy, I've had quite a few highlights. I think to just jump on that, I think most of the highlights are where we really get hands-on experience, where we feel like, "Hey, we've made a contribution to." the procedure or this patient's health or health or welfare. Most recent, oh, I've had a few. I don't know how to pick. No, go for that. But I think the most recent, I was uh, in my uh, not all the selective. doctors as you. Oh, I'm not. Doctors. No, oh, believe me. Oh, I just me. had amazing, I just stayed all these lives. I'm just. <laughs> no, I really don't. Hey, the, the, the thing is like, yeah, I have one highlight and then it's like surrounded <laughs> by like three weeks of deer in the headlights. Like, it's like, Joseph, what is this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's the right. worst. Uh, yeah. Well, recently, uh, there was a physician that it was my selective surgery rotation with a vascular surgeon. And another of the vascular surgeons that I had met, she was like, hey, I'm going to go do an inferior ve- vena cava filter. Oh, where nice. they put in the filter in there. And he's like, hey, you want to come along? I'm like, sure. So I, I went in there and and wasn't quite sure what she wanted me to do or why she invited me. But then she just brought me right up to the table. I was like, all right, grab that. Start doing it. And like, I <laughs> legitly did everything. I put in, I gained wow. venous access, you know, did ligocaine, put in the, you know, the needle, switched out all of the catheters and, and ended up, you know, putting in the, the filter as well with the, you know, the, uh, the x-ray guidance and all that. That's so cool. And, oh, it was, it was incredible. Yeah, obviously she was there. Well, making sure that Step you, by yeah. step, making sure I'm doing everything right. But that was really cool to to be able to do that, and, and like all the the whole time, like you were saying, your hands are shaking. I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna kill this patient. You know, but yeah, no, that was that was a highlight. But also just like being able to take your, I guess, the knowledge that we've gained up to this point, and and put it to use anytime, you know, with a patient, not necessarily like with physicians. It's like, okay, yeah, pat yourself on the back. You got an answer, mm-hmm. right? But more like with patients, you go in and see them, you make an assessment and plan. And then with the physician, like your thinking is right on. It's like, okay, yes, you know, this is validating. Turns um, out we are spending our money on something exactly. useful. Exactly. <laughs> Instead of all the dozens of times where I, you know, make an assessment, the physician's like, whoa, you're like, well, what are you on? You know, like, <laughs> but yeah. 
I felt that way, at least in psych, psych for sure. Where it was like, this is my this is my assessment. The doctor kind of looks at me. She gets up, goes, talks to the patient. And we go back in the room later and she's like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not, not uh, at all. And it's just like, when in doubt, give them Xanax. That's all they want. <laughs> Xanax for everyone. <laughs> She doesn't prescribe a lot of medications, so it's it's. I don't even attempt to make recommendations on medications because it's like you it's so off the wall. You haven't memorized the DSM five yet? Oh gosh, I, that's probably my half my problems. I have not memorized the DSM five. <laughs> I mean, that should be underneath your pillow, man. Oh man, that book's this thick. But it's a psych book. All you need to do is put it under your pillow. And you get it through like osmosis. <laughs> yeah, it disseminates upon you. So there's so much on there. It goes from high to low concentrations, right? <laughs> oh, I guess Joe, this is probably for you since you've had way more experience than we have. What's what's the hardest shelf? For me, is internal medicine. That was your. It was definitely it was your first one. Yeah, so first that one by far. I, and I think it might have been just because it was my first one. I was still trying to get the ropes, figure out how things are going, but also. It is a very broad subject. There's a lot of things that you got to know on that shelf. So. so it's like what? What does it? What does it encompass? Oh. What parts of medicine? Obviously, internal basically medicine, every but. system. Like uh, even thinking about like OBGYN or pediatrics or psych, you, there's still a lot of elements of those subjects you have to know for your internal med shelf. Step one, part two. How, how yeah. similar is it to family med? Uh, uh, there's a lot of crossover. So family med had a lot of internal medicine on it. Oh, okay. Uh, difference between that one was it. Like it had a lot more of the, the, the timing, like the vaccines and the pre-screenings and, and all the like preventative health stuff, which internal medicine, did, I don't recall it having any of that, but, but there's still a lot of the internal medicines that you had to know. Okay. If you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? That is an excellent question. At what point? <laughs> you, you, can make this, you can make this however you can make <laughs> like, so Let's not go that far back. But, um, <laughs> well, the first mistake was I decided I want to be a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, Instead of just being rich. <laughs> well, let me make a comment on that. So it's like, because I have given some thought on this. Because I think you're like, okay, pre-med, you're thinking it's like, okay, if I can just take, you know, get past the MCAT. I'll be good. And then you get you take the MCAT and it's like, oh, if I can just get past interviews, get an acceptance. I'll be good. I'll be good to go. And then you do that. And then it's like, oh, I got to step one. Holy there's crap. There's always a shelf exam or a I, step. Yeah, yeah. So it's like there's never a point. And I was thinking about this. It's like, okay, my next big part is step two, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, after these shelf exams. But, you know, <laughs> step two and then what's well, yeah, next? Step three. Yeah, well, well then you need residency. Step three. And then it's like, okay, well, what then? Okay, you get into residency, then what? Well, it's going to be the same thing. You're going to be, oh, when I'm a, an attending physician, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, it doesn't really... Well, then I, you're going to decide to fellowship. You know you... Right, yeah. yeah. This is like, it never really ends. And, and so I was thinking, it's like, okay, is there ever a point where you feel like you're going to arrive and find the fulfillment and satisfaction that you, you want? If that's your attitude, no. <laughs> right? Because like... you. Uh, you've got to have the fulfillment and satisfaction. You've got to find the happiness in medicine now. And if you're waiting for the next step or the ab- the next application or acceptance and residency or whatever, it's going to be really challenging. But if you can like get like accept in our, like if we can accept in ourselves, like where we at is good and fine and we can make the most of it and be great at where we are now. So it's like, you're going back to your question. If we had any, uh, regrets? Is that what the question was? Do you have any? Re- yeah, yeah. I didn't want to. I guess highlight it. Do anything differently. Yeah, do anything differently. Um, I think there was there'd be a lot that I would do differently. I wish I was a better student, but I don't know if there's any like there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Yeah. Without the past, invest but, more in GameStop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think like looking back, like for those that are pre med or in their first two years or whatnot, I think just. Like focus on where you are now. Don't don't overstress on the future because that that's what I did, and I think it caused me a lot of grief, and it took a lot of energy out of me. Where that I could have been putting that energy into the things that I was learning at the time. I don't know if that makes sense, but that makes sense. I mean, being here it makes sense. Do you feel like so basic science time period? Versus clerkship time period. Which I, hated one's better? Ba- I hated basic sciences. <laughs> I, was, 
for one, I was terrible at it. I had like, I mean, I'm, we all have to work our butts off, but I wasn't great. And I felt like I had to like go and relearn the material 17 times over before I got it. Clerkships, I'm a very visual, hands-on learner. And I don't know, it seems to click a little bit quicker for me. Same, same to you there, Patrick. I, I think what I, I didn't, I kind of breezed like high school and college and everything. I kind of breezed through it. Like the, the caliber that you need to do in order to, like, to just pass and succeed in medical schools is significantly higher than it doesn't, it doesn't scale like proportionally to like yeah. your jump from high school to undergrad. Like undergrad was a joke. Like I spent more time studying my first semester in medical school than I have, than I, well, I never studied in high school. I skipped half time to your go golf. entire undergrad and my undergrad <laughs> i never studied like i didn't study an undergrad like you the night before the exam you just flip through the powerpoint yeah okay i didn't even do that oh man i like i felt like undergrad a lot of the stuff like you can get away with just kind of acting going like oh this is like kind of intuitive and i mean i started undergrad as like i started going pre-law and so that oh, was my okay. first mistake i thought i was gonna be a lawyer and then um so like I, my major was history and i just for fun and rec- like for recreation and fun, I read a lot of history books and like watched a lot of history documentaries. So I never needed to study or even I didn't even buy my any of my textbooks because anytime I had a subject, I just banked on the knowledge that I had before and I was able to coast. And so it kind of it first bit me with the MCAT because that was something that I actually should have studied and I didn't know how to study. Mm, and, yeah. and then my first, I mean, luckily I kind of figured I. I I kind of, I learned how to study a bit when I lived in a, I lived in Hong Kong for two years and there I had to learn the language. So when I learned Mandarin and Cantonese, like that was my first exposure to really studying. But the way you study for a foreign language is different than the way you study for, uh, you study for basic sciences. So mm-hmm. I didn't really have any experience studying until my first semester. And it, I definitely had to play catch up on some classes because I just, I didn't know how to study. And it's significantly different to learning a language and being in medical school. Like my preceptor, my Pete's preceptor, I like offhandedly mentioned that I lived in Hong Kong or he saw my notes. I was taking some notes in Chinese just because it, to kind of pass the time. And he saw that and he's like, oh, you can read and write. You must be very smart. And like, it's like, well, it's just, it's different. It uses a different side of your brain and it's the way you study for it. It's different. I lived in the country and was interacting with it. It's like, in forced whole to, mo- yeah it was very you, active learning you're too modest you are very smart yeah. <laughs> not that smart very lucky i'm very good at guessing multiple choice questions <laughs> so but, you, you wanted to be a lawyer i want to be a, well i want to be a stockbroker like an investment banker because i'm really good at that but i had no money so then <laughs> i've come from a bunch of poor farmers so i decided that well i'm really good at arguing so i'm just gonna be a lawyer <laughs> but then i decided that i wanted to have a soul so then i <laughs> went you chose medicine, and, and, you, and you married. Uh, well, you married my wife's someone. a lawyer too, so I have no disrespect to lawyers. <laughs> I'm just poking fun. Um, no, so just law school, just the law path, just wasn't the right fit for mm-hmm. me, and uh, living abroad and things. And my mom was a nurse, and I had some exposure to medicine, and I did really like it, and I did like the learning aspect of it. It just felt right, and so I yeah, changed my focus to medicine and didn't really look back. The only thing I only thing I wish I would have done is studied and actually learned how to do that instead of just kind of partied and had fun. I think uh, one of the best pieces of advice I got um, on like medical school and like learning and all that is like, if you can, like, if you're, if like what your takeaway on first year medical student is knowing how to study. Oh yeah. Then you're a success. It's like, regardless of your scores or like, if you have to retake classes or whatever, like, if you came out of that first year, like learning how to learn like a medical student, it's a success. And I, I think that's, I like that. I think that's basically spot on. I mean, our term, me and Patrick was, uh, you can attest to this, was uh, very, very smart. <laughs> we had no curve in it. It, so. it was a lot. Yeah, very, very little curve throughout the entire time. And you had to learn very, very, very quickly how to study. Because well, if you didn't, you were behind and you were going to fall to the, the, the term behind it. And nobody wanted to do that. So I think that it was a blessing there uh, mm-hmm. because it was yeah, it really pushed you to 
learn how to study and do that. I mean, a big testament to that too is how many people were at our white coat ceremony for like our our class started with how many people? Uh, It was almost like like seventy something, right? Eighty, we're like seventy-eight or something like that, Uh and then. For when we were in our fifth term, just getting ready to take with our pre-step term, we, how many, like, we had less than half, we had maybe 30 people of our original term. Right. Yeah, about 30. Our number was, yeah, we were, like, a little shy of 50 people, but that's including people that came down to our term or or whatever. However you want to transfers in and transfers. So like we picked up a decent amount of people on the way getting there. So Mm. like that's a testament in itself of just how difficult it is. Yeah. Yeah, It's definitely, definitely a lot of growing. And I think as much as it kind of stunk to have to put all that much time in studying it, it was definitely beneficial. I guess I was trying to tee it up. Like it does it does it get better as you go along? Like I I like clerkships a lot. Like it's so much more fun to be the doctor than studying to be the doctor. I mean, you're still studying, obviously. Yeah, but you get a reminder of why you're doing it. Like, definitely in... Before... Yeah, I definitely in undergrad... Well, not undergrad. I'm thinking it as undergrad now. During the basic sciences, there would be definitely weeks or days where, like, I didn't do so well on a test as well as I did on a test. And I'd sit back and, like, think... Like, do it, evaluate, and be like, do I really have what it takes to, like, get through this? And then, like... Pull up, I start pulling up like the Navy recruitment website and see if I still qualify as an officer. And like, it's a good thing there weren't any naval recruiters nearby. Or <laughs> so it's just like it definitely was like difficult and it was easy to lose focus. Well, not lose focus, but you forget like the end goal in some ways. Like you forget why you're putting yourself through all that. So while in clinic or even when we were in clinic, you get those daily reminders of just like you're in the. You see how awesome it is to actually be able to act like pretend that you're a doctor for a little while <laughs> yeah i agree with like everything you said i do want to add though one thing it's like there have bef- definitely been times during the clerkships mm-hmm. that i have doubted <laughs> whether or not this is where i need to be because there are some there i've had some very difficult times with uh, just in my rotations so far especially on the rotations where the preceptor treats you like a resident i've had a couple of them now can you at least explain what that means? Yeah, you? that's a good question. So, like, most preceptors that I've had, you go in with the preceptor, uh, you kind of shadow them. They might have you, like, go in and see patients before they do, or they you just go in with them and, sure. you know, maybe do uh, a history and physical. Yeah. You know, um, and that's kind of how most of them are. And then you just kind of follow them around and do whatever they do. And, and you know, you ask... you. You can try to, th- like, while you're following around, try to think up a really intelligent question or something like that. Yeah, you're actually um, surprised how little you actually yeah, exactly. are allowed to do when right. you get there. Um, but then there are, like, I've had a couple, only two actually so far, preceptors that treat you like a resident, quote-unquote. And that's more of like, okay, the, the, the attending, my attending physician that I'm with, he would say, okay, these are your patients uh, that are, like, if they're in the hospital or not. Mm-hmm. You are responsible for them. You go see them in the mornings, like before everything starts, you go see them, you do a, a history, a physical, a progress thing. You, you go into the computer system, you write up everything. You write up how they're at, the progress they've made, uh, different, uh, like what, what is their assessment? What's wrong with them at this point? And then what are you going to do for them? Okay. And, and so you, you go do that and, and it's a, it's a big change because it's a it's a whole new responsibility, and when you mess something up, it it feels different. And obviously, like the the doctor isn't going to let anything happen to that, that that patient with us. But even with that, when you make a mistake, it cuts deeper than when you like didn't do as well on an exam in mm-hmm. your in the basic sciences because it's like okay. I messed up on this patient because I didn't know this. And, and it's good practice. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative of those doctors that allow us to do that because it's helped me learn how to deal with learning and growing and making mistakes in that way. And there have been times when, you know, I'm, I'm just in over my head with certain patients or procedures. Like right now I'm with surgery with a preceptor that's treating more, more like a resident. And... Uh, and there's been times where I just kind of take a step back, like, man, I really stink at this. And I don't really know my stuff on this, what he's doing right now. But he expects me to and he wants me, like, he needs me to, the patient needs me to. 
well, the patient has a doctor, maybe not, but, um, <laughs> but like they do that. yeah, and it's given me my doubt. Like there are times where I've doubt is like, man, is this really the best course for me? Like, will I actually be able to contribute as a physician and help people in the long run? And the answer is yes, but there's still times that it stinks. <laughs> how, do you, uh, how, how do you get through that? Like, I mean, yeah, there's always going to be a rotation that we're going to not be great at. Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe some of us, but. Um, angry workout. A really angry workout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's a great question. I don't know if I'm the best to an- answer that, but I think going back to what Patrick said that earlier, like when you were saying when you're with the patients, when you're in that environment, it's so much easier to see your why. Why did you pick this in the in the first place? And and that's exactly what I've had to do is take a step back. It's like, all right, it's been a rough day, <laughs> you know, but when all's said and done, why am I really doing this? And and that always comes back to, you know, the patients that I'm with. Not the money. Um, no, no. <laughs> uh, if you're going, if, you, if money's your motivation at this point, I don't know how you're going to make it. <laughs> it's like, because that motivation like goes away real quick, I think. No, then you look but, at the Sally May bills. Yeah, exactly. The interest, for, <laughs> the, the accumulated <laughs> interest over the. Yeah. <laughs> I may as well, have, yeah, if I was going for the money, I may as well have taken all that money and put it in stocks at the oh beginning. I would be a way better off right now than I yeah, would have. Yeah, yeah. Did you always want to be a doctor, Joe? I did. I, I, there was a lot of times where like intervening moments where I thought I was doing something else. Okay. Uh, like at one point I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a social worker or professional you know, rower, rower, yeah, professional kayaker. <laughs> I was a kayaker for a while. I, a river guide and whatnot, but, um, like whitewater. Yeah. Whitewater kayaking river guide. I loved it. Uh, I wanted to do something like that, like recreational management or something like that. And at one point I was like, you know, maybe I should be a PA or, nursing but it always came back down to I want to go into medicine I love medicine and I want to be a doctor I want to be the one making the decisions and and then the you know prescribing diagnosis and and all that but and Patrick what what do you want to do I know it's it's varied so much since I've known you oh are you talking about like long term like yeah what? like well at least just start start with where, what specialties would you like to end up in or subspecialties or I mean infectious disease is still like my first love and my I and I originally wanted to my original goal was to be a doctor and work for the CDC and be more of the epidemiology route so stay local yeah well I guess local now this whole Georgia thing is kind of working out for me in that way <laughs> but no I like infectious disease is still kind of like my first love of medicine I just I think it's really cool it's like I was up in I was seeing I saw my family a little while ago up in Canada and I have a whole bunch of little cousins and when they were the way I described it to them was like I was uh, fighting little I wanted to grow up to fight little monsters for them because like that's wall like bacteria and viruses are they're just like little monsters so it was like a real life monster hunter and kind of a, like a way to put it there like to contextualize for them and it just it's something that I've always really liked but I mean I shadowed an orthopedic surgeon for a long time I do like the sports medicine aspect of it so like and I love the OR. Like, the OR is, it just, it, the surgeons that I've met and I've interacted with, I've been fortunate and interacted with some that are, they're, like, really good guys, and I, like. Just wait. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it could change right now. Who knows? But it's just, I've liked that environment. I like being in the OR a lot. So if I'm in, like, before I started my OBGYN rotation, if you would have said, Patrick, I think OBGYN would be a good fit for you. I would have told them to like jump off a bridge or <laughs> say something that would give your uh, podcast a higher rating. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, the 18 plus. Yeah, get that 18 plus on your podcast. But, um, but now after doing it, just I could, I could see myself doing that. I could honestly, because I like the work life balance of it, because that's something that I didn't really think about either before I got in here is like I'm married and I want to have kids down the road and, there's some specialties that just aren't as conducive for family life as others. So that's something that I'm continuing. And I'm really though, I'm just at this point, I'm going with an open mind, like infectious disease is still like where I would like to end up that or in the OR somehow, but kind of just take it as it goes. It's a lot of, a lot of open. And Joe, just to reiterate yours, you you said you family medicine with possible dual uh, program. Yeah. Yeah. With the dual uh, OBGYN surgical tracks, family medicine program. All right. We're getting close to that hour mark, so I want to just do one last question. 
after medical school, you guys start practicing. When, when do you know you made it? What, what does that look like to you? <laughs> what made it? Yeah, like, and the, what, what does success look like to you guys? I mean, just having that, I mean, getting in that residency program, I think having that letter during graduation when you open it up. And it's it, it's that, that next stage, huh? <laughs> well, it's, even though it's doing that stage, but it means that you got through, like, you get, you get to, you finally have earned that right to be called a doctor. I know some preceptors that you work with when they introduce you to the patient, they'll call you like a young doctor or they'll even introduce you as a doctor, but it's more of a shortcut for patients to understand your role, but it's not, you haven't, I, it's you're not a real doctor until you're a past residency at least, or at least a resident. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, as soon as you have that, you're able to have that doctor in front of your name and that put the MD behind there. I feel like you, that's like that first big step of like validation that what you did, you were able to, those are some really hard earned letters. And I think once you get there, it, this focus kind of shifts a little bit and, but not in a, not in a bad way, more mm-hmm. of just a different way. And I think that's at that point, I, you have a little more control over your career. You have a little more control over the kind of physician you want to be. Sure. And so I think that's, that's the, uh, horizon i've set my sights for at the moment all right what about you joe what's the what's the dream my audi rs <laughs> can i change my answer with the, the heated steering wheel and- <laughs> yeah no um that's that's a good question i think uh like getting that the letter you know the md title like what patrick is saying that's going to be incredibly fulfilling and in a day i really look forward to but i think for me is like because like the, when you know you made it, like that's very much of an internal thing mm-hmm. to external stimuli. Yeah, it could be anything, really. Right, and I think for me to be able to, to be able to say to myself, "Okay, I've made it," and it's a very ambiguous answer. That's it's not very definable, uh, but it's more of when my confidence in being able to treat someone is there. Whenever that happens. I, to be honest, I doubt it'll be there when I, you know, get that MD title, um, and probably not until I, maybe a couple years into residency that I feel like okay, I I have the confidence that whatever comes to me, whatever patient with any problem comes to me, I will treat them correctly to my knowledge, and if I if that means, you know, sending them off to a specialist or getting a second opinion on something, that I'm confident in the decisions that I make and. Well, and again, that's ambiguous because how do you define that? No, but funny. it's uh, but that's really what I'm going for. That's what I'm aiming for. Is I want that confidence. I want to be able to treat anyone that comes into me. Um, well, treat as in do what they need, whether it's you know send them a specialist yeah. or yeah, you know, take care of myself. So awesome. Well, thank you guys for the the answers. I think you guys did a good job. Yeah, appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks for having us. Thanks Thanks again for listening to today's uh, special episode. I really want to extend another thank you and uh, gratitude to Joseph Call and Patrick Bevins. They took a lot of time out of their schedule to sit down and do this, and I know that's hard as medical students, and so I'm just very thankful that they were able to do that for us. If you want to find us online, we have an Instagram account, MedFamilyMD. Karen runs that page, so you'll see updates notifications of upcoming episodes on there and then of course you can find this podcast on any platform that you typically listen to your podcast so itunes google play etc if you want to rate us on itunes that would be helpful it helps us kind of expand our reach a little bit and again if you want to leave us a comment we would be happy to look at it and get any feedback that we can get again thank you again for listening to this episode i hope you have a good rest of your day